Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys. The second captain. World service. That's yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? <laughs> With Ken Ernie suggesting in the Irish Times today that football needs to pay attention to Razi Erasmus and uh, his seven-one split <laughs> at the Rugby Give World Cup. Give him what they want, <laughs> I can't help but wonder why he stopped there. South Africa's director of rugby is currently the great original thinker in his sport, so why shouldn't football adopt even more of his ideas? Perhaps Jurgen Klopp could shine a massive light onto the pitch to let Trent know when he should take a shot instead of directing a free kick to the back mm, post. What's that now? You haven't, seen, you haven't seen the Razzy Rasmus light shining? He tells. Oh, no, I saw someone use a torch emoji in it, and yes, I was like, that's what, that's uh, a bit. What? "Okay, so what?" So they, they get a penalty. They look to the stands. Razzie or one of his one of his backroom staff members, including Felix Jones, shines a torch. Oh. More often than not, it is Felix Jones doing the light, yeah. the torch shining. As Irish well. rugby's Felix Jones, yep. we should say, and they shine a torch and whatever light it. Each light signal, each color signifies whether you go for. T- Sorry, they deny all this. They say it's to do with injuries and letting and communicating with medical staff and all this absolute bollocks. Right. It's to tell the players whether or not to go for the posts. Yeah, they're basically coaching. Now, it's not. I don't think it's illegal or anything. So I don't know why they don't just say that. Yeah, that's what it's for. But because they're South African rugby coaches, on and literally everything they, they always do have is to look smarter. Yeah. God, and um, uh, maybe Roberto Zerbi could start up a burner Twitter account to question some of the VAR decisions that always seem to go against his is team. That, are you? Did he do that? No, Ken. Of course, Razzi wasn't responsible for that anonymous account during the Lions tour. They kept putting no, together really detailed, high quality footage of refereeing decisions that went against the Springboks. As he said at the time, "I'm actually not Yako Johan. I'm Razzi Erasmus." <laughs> 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 the guy's Twitter account is Yako Johan. I mean, there is one. Problem, of course, as we discussed in depth in our rugby pod today, all these innovations came to naught for Razi and his South Africa team, who were beaten by Ireland on Saturday night. Just to explain the seven-one split, by the way. We'll crack into a report on sport here. Why not? The seven-one split for many of you listening and saying, "Please stop talking about rugby." Eight substitutes are available to make in a game of rugby union. Usually, five forwards and three backs. If you really fancy your chances of dominating the game with your big physical forwards, you might put six of them on the bench. 
and only have two backs. Erasmus has taken this one step further. He put seven forwards on his replacements bench, just one back, and he brought all of those forwards on during the second half at various points to try to destroy Ireland. So what can football learn from this novel approach, Ken? Well, you've, I mean, Razzie's looked at it and he's noticed my forwards. Why are you talking in footballer tense, by the way? He's, he's what's what's Razzie? He's what's he done? What's he's, he's, what's done he's done. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's gone and looked. He's, <laughs> he sat down. He sat there looking at it, and he said, uh, "This uh, these forwards need replacing." <laughs> he said, "I like to my I like my forwards to chase and to physically hammer the opposition, mm-hmm. um, but they get tired after a while and they can't do it anymore. That's when I replace them with my fresh forwards." And then I can keep doing, keep hammering away. Yeah. Now, just hope that no backs get injured. Football has basically become the same as rugby. You don't really hammer the the forwards don't really hammer the opposing team collision wise, but they do have to chase them all game. Uh, they used to kind of wait around for the ball to be passed to them, but now they have to actually do the chasing while it's the defenders and mid and like goalkeeper who have to do all the skills. Yeah, <laughs> so, I hadn't thought of it like that before. Yeah, so now that it's the it's the defenders and goalkeeper who are playing football to sell out, right? They're 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 just knocking it around tight spaces, you Your know, Lewis just dunks. give and go, right? Yeah. Pass and move, and it's the forwards who are just <laughs> you know chasing around after them, trying to get the ball back. Um, so you need to, if you want to play that way, then it turns out you're going to have to, you're going to need a lot of forwards on the bench. You're going to need a lot of um, replacements. I think that Mikel Arteta found this out, uh, unfortunately for him, against Tottenham. They started um, tiring, you feel? After half an hour. Yeah. They were gone. And, you know, they had to play in the Champions League. We were talking about their brilliant performance in the Champions League. They were really good. Tottenham were watching that game on television or maybe watching one of the other games. Tottenham showed the benefit of this, I think, in the game against Arsenal, at least when Arsenal uh, kind of got tired after literally half an hour, Tottenham then started to play. And yeah, I mean, well, I think uh, Arteta, it was, a, it was a bad day. Uh, it was a bad day for Arsenal. It was a bad day for thinking about what Arsenal did in the summer as well. Mm. You know, how can you have Eddie and Kedia in the team? Yeah, you had a pretty damning stat on Eddie and Ketty in your piece. I couldn't help but notice. Well, I'm glad you got down to the that part of the piece, huh? Right, what are you talking about? You, it was you, quite a long way down. Razzy Erasmus in the delighted. intro, you had me hooked. <laughs> I'm all about the work up at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, these stats don't necessarily mean anything, but sometimes with a player like Nketi, you, you, you're, you've got to be like, okay, what is it What is it they see in Eddie and Ketty? You know, obviously he's a, he's a homegrown player. You know, this is good. But like, there's nothing about him. When I look at him, I don't sort of go, uh, I think a lot of players in the Premier League, a lot of players who are at his level, you only have to look at them play for about two minutes before you're like, okay, I see what this guy can do. You know, there's there's something that they're really good at. Yeah, They may not be good at everything, but there's at least one thing where you're like, this guy, <laughs> like Martinelli isn't obvious, like the, mm. the speed that Martinelli can move at. Saka is obviously brilliant. I mean, you like watch him the first time he gets the ball. You're like, oh, right, okay, I see. Trossard, maybe you have to watch a little bit longer, but actually this guy is unbelievably precise. You know what I mean? Like he can kind of put it into the corner from, from anywhere at all kinds of angles. Like he's he's got a lot going for him. Um, I don't just need to talk about Arsenal players here. Just think of any sort of striker at that level. Even someone like who is a lampoon like Vard Weghorst, you're, you're kind of like, okay, I see what he's got. You know, <laughs> he has some exceptional ability, uh, which 
you know, let's see how he puts it together. In Kenya, there isn't really that there. You're kind of like he's not that he's not especially big. He's not especially quick. He's not especially skillful. He didn't. He doesn't seem to score loads of goals. Um, you're kind of like, is there something that I'm missing? And well, looking at him, I mean, so the the statistical measure of um, non-penalty uh, or <laughs> goals minus non-penalty expected goals, yeah, is basically. How many goals has this player scored compared to the quality of chances? Taking penalties out of the equation, which are kind of a different thing. 78%. We can just chalk everyone down for 78% of the penalties. That's Let's a, move on. It's an expected goal of uh, expected goals of 0.78 or 0.76 or whatever. Take them out because they're kind of a different thing. Uh, how many goals have they scored relative to the quality of chances? An approximate quality of chances. Because we know that like the XG is like, well, who really makes up that number? And aren't these numbers all kind of pulled out of someone's ass? And that is... The, you know, there's, there's a grain of truth to that. But it also gives you kind of an indication. So if you have, if you line up all the players who played in the Premier League last year, I think there's 569 of them. Um, according to this measure, the best finisher in the Premier League last season was Harry Kane. Oh, I was going to say Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland's number two. Erling okay, Haaland's... Well, this would suggest that the stat has is at least of some use. It's kind of pointing <laughs> in the right general direction. Like, yeah. if you're asking someone who's the best finisher in the Premier League, everyone would say Erling Haaland. Why is that? Because Erling Haaland broke the goals record, scored 36 goals. I mean, you know, he's obviously the best, right? But actually, when you look at the quality and number of chances he had relative to his goals, Harry Kane did a little bit better to score the 30 goals that he scored, mm-hmm. right? I'm yeah. including penalties in both these totals. But these, you know... The fact is, so, so it's giving you an indication. Yes. Anyway, the, the broad point is that most people would be like, yeah, those guys are probably the best two at the moment or were last season, you know? Like so, like Son, for instance, uh, Son Heung-min is an amazing finisher by this, uh, you know, better than Messi by this mm. metric over over the spell of his career. Last season, not so much. Mm. Uh, last season, terrible, but like long term... Okay, he's so an, he's an amazing s- finisher. Okay, so what we, what we have can deduce by using our eyes, anyone with eyes, ears, and a brain, so far so good. Ken. It does seem to be reflecting something on the on the top of the list. So okay, where does Eddie Nketiah or I have to go down a long way on? Yeah. I ended up having to press Control F. Imagine my surprise. Mixed, I have to say, considering the context in which I was looking for this statistic, with a certain measure of delight. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out one of my crazy hunches has paid off. When I found Eddie and Katia, uh, there at number 568 out of 569 oh, players wow. on the list. Wow. Uh, so just in terms of... Hold on a second now. Do you not just go on these lists and look? I mean, you're doing it the wrong way. Instead of I'm cherry picking. May, yeah, maybe maybe genius will strike. Maybe the person that I'm searching for will be at the bottom of this list. Why don't you just go to the list, see someone in the bottom ten that you can hook a, a <laughs> collab around, or at least a paragraph or two. Jobs are good. No, I don't. I, I mean, that would be. I think there will be something unethical about that. What I mean, would this, be unethical about it? This was, I, do you think everyone at home is like, well, everyone knows Eddie and Keddy is the 568th worst finisher in the Premier well, no, League? No, we did. Everyone knows that's we that. Did, we did, I mean, we did, I suppose. It was it was seeing Gavin Bazzino at the bottom of those lists that yeah. made, made us sort of talk about it last year. Okay, so maybe. But that's because he's kind of a more relevant player generally. Yes. But, but Keddy at 568, and this is on last season's stats. Who's the 569? 
Well, I know this because I've read the article. Murph doesn't appear to have read your column. Yet this I'm article. reading it right it now. Too busy. <laughs> Literally, this morning, we were tra- had to kick Murph out of the studio doing a bunch of promotional book interviews to try and get some podcasting done uh, around these parts. Unbelievable stuff. So he, he doesn't have the time to read in your articles, Ken. What are you talking no. about? Uh, and you an know, author, you know. And you know, I've got nothing further to say other than it's available in all good books. Murph, <laughs> I'm going to do what Ken normally does. I'll give you a clue. It's an Arsenal teammate of Eddie and Ketia. Oh. Martinelli? No, 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 no. Harsh and Martinelli. Purchased this, they just signed this one. Big name. Hasn't always delivered, but has delivered at least one massively big goal. Declan Rice? Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I'll put you out of your misery, Murph. Please you. Kai Havertz. Wow. You'd forgotten he'd signed for Arsenal, hadn't you? And well, listen. That's what happened there. There's a lot just, going on. Just forgot about the existence of Kai Havertz. Arsenal spent 65 million on Kai Havertz. Who I think is a good player, although a player of such supreme sophistication that nobody has yet quite managed to figure out what his best role is. But he was, according to this measure, the only finisher in the league actually worse than Eddie Nketiah last season. Um, I kind of feel as though Arsenal had a little bit of warning with this situation, you know, in the sense that, hmm, what if we have to lean on Nketiah? It's nothing, by the way, it's nothing against him. I just think don't think he's good enough to be in a team that's going to win the league. Now, obviously, he's not in Arsenal's first-choice team, but he is the Arsenal forward who's played, who's played the second most minutes so far this season after Saka because Jesus gets injured. Martinelli's got injured this season. Trossard was injured again for the game yesterday. So yeah. it's been in Ketty. He's, he's started five games. He's he's played in all six. And I just I, I don't see him getting into the squad at Manchester City or Liverpool. This is, you know... Well, when you look then at Havertz, who also didn't start start this, or rather, Nketiah did, Nketiah played 90 minutes, Havertz came on, um, you're thinking, was that really the best use of our 65 million at this point? Especially when you see the actual game itself, which we haven't even really talked about the game yet, but going back to the original point, the uh, increasingly exhausting nature of being a forward in the Premier League, especially when you play for a team that wants to press the way Arsenal did in the first half hour, uh, I mean, they wanted to do it for longer. They just couldn't keep it up. You're going to need to lean on every forward and they all have to be, I think, of a higher level than Arsenal currently have. So I think they, I think looking back, the the Harvards thing seems not necessarily a mistake. I don't think it's like he's a turkey signing, although he hasn't played well yet. Uh, but I think it was the wrong type of player for them to buy or to to invest in. It was the wrong area of the team. Anyway, why am I just talking about Arsenal all the time? We should talk also about Tottenham. Yeah. I mean, who who had a really good day? Uh, Son, we already mentioned, is, is kind of seems to be back to himself after whatever it was happened to him last season. At least now he's finishing these chances again. Madison is doing brilliantly, even though he got caught by one of those early presses. By yeah, Jesus, who really should have scored, made it two 0 Jesus should have scored, but but again, that was that was another thing that really struck me about the game because Madison set up both goals. One of them was like a, a messy turn on. Uh, I mean, specifically the messy Guardiola turn. He did this to Saka. You know, it was brilliant. Uh, set up the first goal for Son. The second one, he robbed Jorginho, who had just such a brain freeze, but. Because yeah, he, he was so far away from him when Jorginho got the ball. It's incredible to think that he ends yeah. up winning the ball off him. But Jorginho, um, I don't really know what happened. But you can see the two massive chances in the game. 
two of the biggest chances in the game came, only one of which resulted in a goal, came from players doing stuff which literally would have had you subbed off. You know, if you did that, like 10 years ago, it would be like, what are you doing? Get off. The, you, you don't fool around in that kind of area. You know, what are you thinking? And this is just what you have to do all the time now. Um, he's doing really well anyway so far. The keeper is a massive upgrade on what Hugo Lloris had become. Yeah. Like Lloris was the was the player with the most errors leading to goals and four last season, you know, in the, in the whole league. It was like, it had kind of become a bit of a shambles. This guy is like not throwing any in yet, which is which is already a, a huge <laughs> improvement. Um, Bissouma, again, it's like, how, how did they not get this type of play out of this guy last season? I mean, it's okay because they weren't set up in the same way that Postacoglu was setting them up. Well, Basuma is, look, is looking really good. Now, people are pointing out, oh, well, he actually gave the ball away loads. You know, people are just thinking, oh, he kind of drops his shoulder and, you know, kind of swishes away. And everyone's like, oh, he's amazing. You know, when actually, look, he gives the ball away. But, like, remember what, what I was saying. Like, this is the first half hour of the game was, like, this onslaught from Arsenal. Like, they did well to come out of that only conceding one goal. Um I think he just looks so kind of accomplished and so suited to what they're trying to do now as a kind of little hub player in this um, five-a-side team they have in the defence. This sounds a bit like our Premier League preview last season when you started listing out all the Spurs players who you thought were going to win them the league. Giving their heights. Giving their heights, yeah. In that case, it was all the physical attributes. In this case, it's technical attributes that you're reading. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about James Madison's knee, however. Oh, yeah, it didn't that look great. Like a, that looked like an extremely nasty injury. I mean, he played on for 10 more minutes after that. Well, it looked like a classic uh, cruise hit ligament injury, yeah. right? With the, with yeah, the, with the knee bending back. Just a hyper-extension or whatever, you'd like, you want, however you, whatever medical term you want to use. I remember Ibrahimovic's leg going the same way when he, when he yeah. busted his cruise hit back for Man United. Um, but he got up played it on. would be a pity uh, because Spurs are, are really fun to watch yeah. and Madison is kind of a key part of that yeah now he has he has been great and of course he's full of uh, he's got that lovely arrogance as Jamie Redknapp said beforehand <laughs> I think he'd done an interview you know in which he'd shown his personality and then he had that lovely arrogance to mm. some people are more enamored by James Madison's personality than others I'm enamored by it he bantered off um, Saka of course yeah what was that banter oh you do you missed the whole Saka uh, Madison band off go for it so what did you see Saka's celebration when he scored yeah what did he do now I'm stunned ah. I was trying to buy time the darts it was, it was, it was oh, actually the darts the, thing yeah he yeah. did that both times it was actually yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and who's that Taking the piss out of. Oh, that's a Madison piss take. Oh, that's okay. a classic Madison ah. banter. There. Are you watching James Madison? Are you watching yeah. Matters? Uh, Matters. Oh, he must have must have still been doing that when I turned him for that girl. Ah, there you go. <gasps> he really did. <laughs> you know the gif I have in mind. He really oh, did turn him for that goal as well. <laughs> I know. I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy standing there and everyone going, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> No, it was. Uh, it was good God, he's just, he just adorns the game, doesn't he? He, he is, is, he is. He's, he's, just, he, wow. Just ornament. every day I wake up, it's like, blessed am I to live in the age of Madison. <laughs> but he, he uh, you know, has done, uh, is doing really well, uh, especially when Arsenal start to get tired. And then obviously Rice got injured, uh, or Rice had to come off. Rice was injured. Back problems as well, which didn't sound great. The old back problems can be... A little bit, you know, it, it's long running sometimes. Yeah, it's it, it can be one of those things which is sort of like, oh, how do I sort this out? Uh, so hopefully um, that isn't the case uh, for him. Um, but yeah, I mean the the one thing, I mean T- Tottenham, I thought 
really played very well. The one question I would have about them is sometimes, you know, especially in the first half hour when Arsenal were pretty dominant, do you need to actually mix up your approach a bit more than they were doing? Like, um, they kept trying to sort of five-a-side the ball out mm. and they were getting robbed a lot and it was causing problems. And I kind of thought, do you need to actually think about some longer balls here? Like, uh, and then looking at them, they, they don't really have anyone you can do that. You, you can aim at. You know what I mean? They, there, there's no one in that team apart from Richarlison, who is like a, who, who can be kind of a target man, was on the bench. Um, uh, there was a piece about uh, Brighton, a big uh, piece by Nick Harris in the uh, Mail on Sunday. Oh yeah, secrets of their success, kind of. Yeah, which and a lot of it is like, oh, okay, seven, seven types flavors of, of par- porridge. Flavors yeah. of porridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> porridge and. Roberto De Zerbi is ex- uh, obsessed with cigarettes. The second I hear a phrase like seven different flavors of porridge, I'm like, bet heavily on Brighton to lose four of their next six games. <laughs> well, Brighton... Uh, like, it's right. it literally as regular as clockwork. The second anyone comes up with the secrets behind Club X's success, when the the secrets aren't hundreds of, million, hundreds of millions of gulf money. Yeah. If, whenever the secret isn't that... They're screwed. It 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 is often a sign of decadence. Like people yeah. are lo- people are looking for things to you know what brand to hook of this on. Watching a blink, what do they use? Yeah. Um, but um, there was a point in it. Uh, someone said, "Oh yeah, here they they were talking about the goalkeepers because obviously Arteta has had this whole issue with the with the goalkeepers recently, um, where he's kind of talking about rotating them when it looks as though what's actually happened is he's just dropped. Um, I was going to say Pickford, but uh, I mean Ramsdale. Um, and seems to not want to just say it because it would hurt his feelings. I don't know why. <laughs> like he should just say, "Look, I'm the manager, and Raya is a different way. Raya is the goalkeeper." Well, I would say Raya makes a really good save yesterday, and Ramsdale makes a big show of putting the hands up in the air above himself on the bench because he knows the camera's going to be picking him out and giving it the old. Oh. Yeah, gotta applaud Rams, that one, Ramsdale. Which led to a, an exchange between Jamie Carragher and Ramsdale's dad. Oh yeah, because Carragher said, "Oh, it's like at the Oscars where you know someone doesn't win, but they like make a big smile and clap for whoever <laughs> you know." And uh, and Ramsdale's dad said, "You're a disgrace. Show some class, my lad has." So Carragher, a classless, a class-free zone, according to <laughs> Nick Ramsdale. But um, the just just uh, there was a point about this, which was in the Brighton piece. The Deserby um, thinks the goalkeeping coach talking to Nick Harris has um, talks about how integral goalkeepers are to Deserby's need for now. Deserby obviously is, is using this approach: two different goalkeepers, mm-hmm. right? Um, at United on Saturday, the hosts played an unexpected narrow midfield diamond quartet. It was no longer possible for Steele to pass to centre half who in turn could pass forward. The diamond was too narrow, so Deserby split his two centre runners. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this. Um, here's another one. There was a game last season, Stern tells me, when an opposing team got the better of Brighton via a high, consistent press and won. We knew we could try to play through that press, he says, but instead, Deserby noted the opponent's press left them vulnerable to counterattacks. The next time they met, Brighton changed tactically to address that via long, accurate keeper distribution and won. Now, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to work out that the team he's talking about here is Arsenal. Um, because they are the only team that Brighton lost to and then beat last season when the Zerbi was the manager. They beat Brighton 4-2 um, at Brighton. That was the, Evan Ferguson's first goal, was, was it, first Premier League goal was in that game. 
and then Brighton beat them 3 0 at the Emirates later that season. Now, to be fair, that was after Arsenal had kind of lost the league and were depressed. Mm. You know, it was it was kind of it, it was one of those types of types of results. But when you look at the games, you can see okay, he actually did change this. I mean, Steele had come in for Sanchez at that point, so it was a different goalkeeper. But then the passing pattern of the goalkeeper is totally different. There was like uh, way more of these like medium length pa- like passes over twenty, but not quite forty yards. Um, where the keeper was trying to play the ball quickly to like players further up the pitch, uh, and also um, kicking it long more and getting more that he's better at kicking than than Sanchez, getting more of these accurately. So this is the game that they're talking about. So that was an example I thought of, or an interesting example of Deserby saying, "Okay, I know the way that I like to play, but if I'm playing adapt, against if yeah. I'm playing against Arsenal, then this is what I'm going to do because that's where they're going to be. They're going to they're more likely to be vulnerable there." And Tottenham, I thought maybe could have benefited from a bit of that. Again, it depends on who you have to play the ball to. Like, if you look at, like, uh, Raya uh, is now the Arsenal goalkeeper, it seems like. His stats are better than Ramsdale's. One of his stats that's much better is, you know, um, how many of his long passes he completes. But one of the reasons for that is that he's kicking the ball to who when he's playing for Brentford? Oh, um, well, it was Ivan Tony. The big man, right? Which is a lot different from booting balls upfield to Gabriel Jesus or Martinelli. Um, which may be one of the reasons why Arsenal apparently now want to sign Ivan Tony in January. I do think he would be a really good signing. Um, you know, for some of the reasons I was already saying, they obviously need a forward. Um, but he has got a lot of the things that they're missing. Like if there's one thing you would look at Arsenal's front three, like if their first choice front three is Jesus, Sack and Martinelli, one thing they're lacking is centimeters. They need more centimeters, and I think that that, that Ivan no, Tony, no, forthcoming. Ivan Tony's got a lot of centimeters. Even Trossard doesn't really add much in that department, but but Ivan Tony would. So yeah, and the other thing was there was all this whinging about the uh, penalty. I mean, I thought I thought it probably was a penalty. I mean, if you you know if you kind of block a goal bound shot like a couple of yards out with with your arm, oh, then yeah. I don't think he can really complain that much that they've given a penalty for that. Mm. I mean, obviously, it's kind of broken my spirit. there was The whole thing's just broken my spirit. What I just watch it going, oh shit! Like, I, I don't know, and I, I don't know, and I actually, I've stopped caring about how about the exact decision making process required to give this penalty or not give give this penalty. Yeah. It's it's all just like if the ref if the ref can't see it. I mean, if VAR has met VAR has met hand the handball rule, like. 20 million times worse Mm. Uh, as you said like I think it was 18 months ago players now have two dangling penalty tentacles hanging off their body and teams need to aim at the penalty tentacles at all like forget about trying to cross the ball now aim it at the penalty tentacles and that is a much uh, more profitable and goal friendly use of your time someone literally did that last week I'm trying to remember who it was was there kind of a header back onto the um, it doesn't matter if I'm talking about something I can't even remember uh, the exact incident but now if you're talking about whinging uh, did you not see Jermaine Genus uh, so J- Jermaine Genus Michael Cox had a tweet where he kind of put it all out where, where Genus it was like Genus we know, must respect the referees yeah. all these tweets three yeah. three images of Genus with the subtitles of like him going you know it's time to get real we need to respect referees you know it was for some mm. like respect the ref uh, campaign <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he goes on Twitter complete shit house of a ref 
<laughs> they're all they're all ruining our game. <laughs> Screams. And this is this is because the referee gave a penalty against Romero. Like for, for handling a ball that was probably gonna go, go to the roof of the net, like just behind him, you know? Mm. Now obviously the the thing is that Romero did this earlier in the season against Man United and it wasn't penalty. I mean, it was it was a bit further out, but it was a similar situation. Ball blasted at him. He's trying to block it. The ball hits his arm, which is raised. I mean, this is nonsense about like, oh, is the position unnatural? Like the position, the arm moves when you move. <laughs> you know, like look at Enkedia. Enkedia is standing right next to um, yeah, Romero when the ball hits his hand. And Enkedia moves and his arm goes up as well. It's not because he's trying to save the ball. It's just because he's moving his body. Like, yeah. you know, so so I, I think you were about to say there, if the referee can't see it, then yeah. then don't then there shouldn't be a penalty. But of course, everything is seen now, so you have to be like, yeah. oh well. I, uh. I can't believe he's missed that horrendous handball once in every like 150 games, as opposed to this nonsense, which is just oh man. But the other me but nuts. the other thing then is is the the Newcastle game. Right, the New- Newcastle beat Sheffield United eight 0 This is mm. apparently their worst ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Defeat. Before the Newcastle game, there was also the like much more uh, like obvious, to, obviously a handball. Udagi, uh, like about ten minutes later, he goes up for for across his arm. Is actually in what you would call an unnatural position in that it's over his head, and he just like flicks it off uh, Havertz's head. I think I missed that one. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't replayed until like five minutes later on well, television. Well, but, but was that one where it was kind of headed directly onto his hand from like two inches away? I mean, that's I, not really to get every. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. But but um, sorry, my point was merely to say that for all of the talk of the penalty tentacles, the. Tentacles are still being missed left, right, and center. That's all yeah. I'm saying. But the the um, the one of the justifications for VAR was obviously the very famous goal scored by, uh, assisted by uh, Thierry Henry, and scored by none other than William Gallas mm-hmm. against. You the got Republic there eventually. The Gallant Republic of Ireland team in November 2009. You got there eventually November. that night as oh, well. Oh, well it took him about 45 seconds, I believe. Tonight's uh, got to be a good <laughs> night. And uh, and then, oh, well, we can't have this kind of thing happening. Look at this flagrant injustice. We, VAR, will end this kind of thing, right? Cut to Newcastle against Sheffield United. Um, there's uh, uh, Anthony Gordon and which Sheffield United defender, I can't remember, uh, going for a ball, turns around. Gordon bounces the ball. <laughs> Basketball style. <laughs> he bounces the ball, turns around, keeps it in play, cuts it back, goal. You're like, well, that's... Handball? <laughs> no, it's not. That's not handball. That's not handball. So the Thierry Henry literally VAR now would not dis- disallow the Thierry Henry <laughs> goal. No, it's literally what the situation we're in. It's the well, and and who endorsed this? Who waved this through on match of the day? Who who gave this decision? It's for Ruble. Shea Given, the goalkeeper who was there. <laughs> the goalkeeper, the, the ball was scored. I don't know what he was whinging about. I do not know what Shea Given was whinging about in in Paris that time. My colleague at the weekend. Well, he, you should ask him about the next time you see him because literally, apparently, it's it's okay when it's a Newcastle player who does it, but when it's a France player, it's like, oh well, we need to. Bring I think in VAR. the 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 VAR must have missed that. That's the only reason I can see because they were too focused on whether or not the ball had crossed the end line, which it looked like it yeah. completely had on one angle, and then oh, hang on a second, that maybe hasn't. They maybe didn't even know they were they checking for a handball. I don't know, but again, no, I, I re- think really to getting every VAR decision. I think they saw it. It's just they went it makes well. Me sad. Well, he didn't mean to do that. You know, uh, it's not deliberate. Of course, the deliberate doesn't really matter when it's unnatural, blah, blah, unnatural. Owen just said he's sad. I know, yeah, but I'm just, I'm not, what I'm saying, Owen, is we need to get, we need to get rid of this. 
Yeah, but we're not. It's not going to happen. Well, why? Why are you saying that? And why are you so helpless about that? I'm saying this is this is actively bad. I'm pointing out the ways in which this is actually actively bad. The game is being destroyed, and it's on your watch, on. And as Paul Kimmich said, you're an apologist for the Premier League. You, you, you that hasn't been played yet, Murphy. <laughs> oh well, okay. Well, I've given give, give people a taste. Really. Look, yeah. Shay, just Shay Givens' exact quote was. Um, yeah, uh, there was a little bit of a controversy because it popped up off his hand. But because he doesn't score the goal, it can't be disallowed. That was Shea Givens' exact quote. Therefore, I mean, by that rule, why would why, why is everyone whinging about the Thierry Henry thing? It was a perfectly fine Get goal. Get over it. It's oh, Thierry Henry has controlled the ball basketball style. The goal was fine. He didn't score it. Therefore, get on with it. Anyway, we will get on with it. Newcastle, obviously, very impressive. Uh, 8-0. Yeah. Really kicking the cat. Um, Sheffield United taking a hell of a beating. Um, what else was going on? Oh, uh, the game that you were covering on uh, Manchester City against Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Oh, uh, fairly, uh, pretty much went as you'd expect for the first few minutes. Bang, bang, two deals, Man City. Then Rodri uh, absolutely goes nuts. <laughs> I, I still was a bit surprised they sent him off, though. I kind of thought it was more of a push. I know you're, that, you're I know that there's a freeze frame. There, there's camp. a freeze frame I know where he appears to be choking, you know, whoever his, it was, Gibbs White. Um, yeah. It was, wasn't really. Anyway, they didn't. Well, he gave, well, it was. If, if the I, esophagus I, I, isn't crushed, Ken Early's not interested. He gave, he, gave, he gave him a push, gave him another sort of higher push, then gives him a, a grab, yeah. then sticks his head in his general direction. It, it, it gave the ref a few opportunities. I was concerned for the safety of the opposition players. <laughs> I really was. I was deeply concerned watching it. Yeah. Uh, the man was out of control. Well, and I think the referee did Rodri a favour by sending him off because, I mean, he had to, <laughs> I mean, he had to, he had to be taken out of the fire for his own yeah. safety. Rodri is out of games against Newcastle in the Carabao Cup, so that's a, that's a good one to get. Wolves and... Um, Arsenal, Arsenal. Yeah. So that makes it interesting. Uh, it, I suppose it depends on uh, whether Rice can be fit for that. You know, it's it's not that much of an advantage to Arsenal if they've if they're missing their own uh, Rodri. Uh, I did I did was struck though by a line in Lou Macari's interview with Henry Winter. Lou Macari was uh, Lou Macari kind of does um, runs sort of services for homeless people in Stoke now. Uh, and he did an interview with the Times, but he obviously, with as with all these interviews, there's, there's some talk about what he's doing now, but also some reminiscing about the days of the past. He kind of is disgusted at all these people, all these frauds going around saying they've invented pressing now. We used to press, you know, so Jockstein had them pressing the socks off everybody. I mean, the big difference, is, as soon as said, is that, you know, these lads are playing on a carpet now. Mm. So if you were, if you did try to play your way out of it back in the day, like, the ball wasn't necessarily going to obey. You know, you might do the right thing, but the ball might then decide to do its own thing. Whereas now you're kind of like, yeah, I think it's going to go uh, where I pass it. Um, but he also mentions, uh, we just lost Gordon McQueen, the late Gordon McQueen, the funniest guy I've ever met in my life. For a night out, he had you in stitches. He was a strong character. Wouldn't hesitate to grab somebody by the throat in the dressing room at halftime because of his passion to win the match. I think that's all gone in football. Yeah, and there, fun. and we saw that we saw that Rodri not getting away with it. I mean, it was obviously an opponent, and it's different when it's. I your think own, it was a problem for teammate. Gordon McQueen if he was doing it to Billy Bremner, uh, while Gordon McQueen was at Manchester United, of course, and Bremner was 
Yeah. They were, of course, teammates. At one they were, they were teammates Listen, at I picked the wrong well. player. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I could have picked any, basically anyone from the 1970s. I went with someone that needed a needlessly lengthy clarification. A Scotland and Leeds teammate? <laughs> <laughs> did, he, exactly. did Gordon yeah. McQueen play for Leeds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, we go again. <laughs> um, we go again. That's what they're saying at uh, Chelsea as well. We go again. Segway alert. Uh, boo at Sanford Bridge. I mean, this is great stuff, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's, 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 a, it's a great How long story. is he going to last? He's going to be gone in a couple Potch. of Potch. yeah. I, mean, sorry, I, thought, I say uh, that. I, I like, everyone likes Potch, but so maybe he, the bit when he actually gets sacked isn't much fun, but just how much of a failure this Todd Bowley project has been has been very, very funny indeed. Well, I think he's got a few more months. I think he's, I think he's got a couple more months anyway. I mean, and the great thing about Chelsea he's is that safe till Christmas they, they are I'm prepared to say I'm prepared remember to last year block, he's there, safe there, was all, there was always briefings of journalists no no uh, Graham Potter you know, it's long term it's yeah that's Graham Potter though Graham Potter you know yeah, well, looked pretty delighted to be there uh, he just looked a little too happy to be there at all the press conferences didn't he like Potter I can't believe you gave me this big job well it's it's such a different job from his previous job Pochettino that is right where you know he the, his previous job it was like uh, oh I've got Neymar um, and Mbappe and latterly Messi and they've all you know I can't tell these guys what to do like I mean they're all much bigger than me whereas here it's just like it's a, it's like <laughs> can you make a team out of this collection of like <laughs> like a like an NFT collection that's now a now worthless collection of NFTs. What what are you going to do with this? Like you've got some kind of building material there. Can you build something? Mm. And uh, so far, the answer is not yet. No. Uh, so it's their worst start since 1978 or something. Um, he, I mean, there was just this embarrassing moment where he he one of his things before the game had been like. Um, I've told Nicholas Jackson he needs to stop getting stupid yellow cards. He's been booked four times for dissent in five matches. I've told him, listen, you've got to stop getting these cheap yellow cards. Listen, I told him, there's one thing you've got to remember. We've had enough cheap yellow cards here and you're one away from the suspension. So the one thing I want to see from you is don't get out there and, and get uh, any silly bookings. Sometimes you need to take a booking for the team, mm. but not for whinging at the referee. And I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense from you. Nicholas Jackson stops Emiliano Martinez taking a quick goal kick. What do you think Emiliano Martinez does? What are you going to do? You're Emiliano Martinez. He Martinez. waves his arms around in extremely theatrical fashion in what an does he do? to get him booked. Now, what does he do? What does he actually do? He kicks does the he? ball directly against oh, him immediately, okay. and then he's like, "Referee, well, you know, this man here is is uh, what well, he's. This is an anti-sportsman-like behavior." And the referee immediately gives Nicholas Jackson the yellow card, so he's suspended for the next game. And it's just like, <laughs> it just couldn't have been more like they're not really listening to you, are yeah. they? Are they potch? These guys are not listening to you. Um, it's, I mean, it's amazing how bad they are. I mean, and they are, they do seem to be underperforming their their actual, or their, their performances seem to be a bit better as us, but not like much better. You know, it's not like they, the only, the only saving grace they have is that they are too big to fail. Like they're too, you can't flush them. They won't fit down the toilet. <laughs> like the, there's, there's too many, there's too many other Teams that are worse than them, right? So they're they're circling their the unflushable carcass. <laughs> it won't go down the plug hole. Well, it depends on what you mean. What this analogy is all about? You talking about being relegated? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. that's no, what, that, that is what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're probably not going to get. No, they, they won't because none of the. Now, the, on the other hand, they would want to start scoring a goal or winning a game. They've Neither scored five you... goals in six games. Yeah, but like there 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 are teams which are worse than them. Like they will. If Everton can't get themselves relegated, then Chelsea should be getting relegated. Did I see somewhere on Twitter that they've gotten 39 points in their last 38 games in the Premier League? 
Yeah, so it's six wins in the last 38 matches. Well, six. Like that's that relegation form. Yeah. I mean, 40 points is safety, Owen. 39 is probably safety these days as well. Just but so nevertheless. It, I mean, I, I can't believe that it can that it can keep going like this. But also, like, there was, I don't know if you saw Pochettino, he's, he was really doubling down on some of the lemon talk. Like, uh, you know, he's always had this lemon thing. Yeah. You sort yeah. of, oh, it's just, it's sort of a little thing that he just does, you know. It's like, the lemon in the room absorbs any bad energy or something like that. Is that the idea? Yeah. Something along those lines. They started to work after two years at Tottenham. I mean, this is before the game. Give time to the lemons. It is a thing that we all believe. If you want to have good energy, you need to implement all the things that you believe. Yeah. I believe in the lemons. But at Tottenham, they started to work after one and a half, two years. They need a long time. They're not magic. <laughs> but more than ever, I still believe in them. Today, in my office, I have yellow ones, green ones, different types, from Spain, from Italy. I don't want to lie. There is a big box of lemons. I always thought the yellow lemons worked much better than the green. But now I believe in any color. Any color can help. If I could get a blue lemon, it would be even better. Hmm. You know, I, I hesitate to mention this, but Poch is currently working in a country where a prime minister was outlived by a cabbage. Uh, so a lettuce, I, to be fair. It was a lettuce, it was. Yeah. But I, I, let's just say if he's waiting a year and a half or to two years for these lemons to start <laughs> doing their business, I've, <laughs> I, I think work. the new manager might be shipping some of those lemons out a little sooner than that. There is a whole, there's, there's an internet literature. They are on those eight-year contracts, Omer. Oh, yeah. Lemon amortization, it's called. <laughs> I haven't really seen where, <laughs> I haven't really seen where, where this, what sort of tradition this, what tradition of woo this lemon stuff comes mm. from? I don't really know, but there is quite a lot of, of internet literature about how they can absorb. I wouldn't eat a lemon now that had started to absorb bad energy and had become wrinkled. No. It's a bit like, you know, it, it, you can imagine why. Like it sucked in a lot of evil, and you wouldn't. I uh, I read someone saying you should cut it into four pieces and scatter the pieces. You know, like as like as though you're just disposing of a vampire. You know. Um, sort of stuff the lemon with garlic and mm-hmm. you know this these types of things but I don't know maybe maybe that is the problem maybe he'd want to look into where what Bowley's been doing with these uh, these uh, byproducts of the energy cleansing process but uh, now this is my kind of chat forget about uh, fire let's talk lemons that's, that's how that's how Pochettino has been tackling this uh, problems anyway so and, and they've got some interesting fixtures coming up or they've got like they play a lot of top teams over the next uh, few matches and uh, yeah, it looks as though well they're going to have to improve pretty quickly. But where were we? Uh, just the other thing is um, we barely mentioned Liverpool, um, who seem to be kind of rolling now. And one of the things that's become clear is just how much of a of an upgrade Sobosly is on Jordan Henderson. Like Henderson, I I almost feel sorry for him over the last couple of months. What's actually happened in his career? <laughs> it's like I mean he obviously you know it was his own decision and so on. But like to be so kind of, his reputation in a number of ways has taken a battering. Mm. Not just his, uh, not just uh, his reputation in terms of following through and his beliefs and so on, mm-hmm. but literally in what he was capable of as a football player. Because when you put this um, guy Sabastai into the position that he was playing in, it's like it's like seeing in color for the first time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my God, I can't. You know, or you see, have you ever seen those videos of like you know? Uh, 
a, a kid who's who hears for the first time, yeah, and then yeah, they yeah, play yeah. music, and he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, that's kind of what's been going on. It's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, so this guy is is he really can play football? Uh, and the other one is obviously Nunez, who yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I will I'll put my hand upon. I have criticized Nunez, and I think you could see elements of of why I would be critical, have been mm. critical of him in the past. You know, when he blazed wide at an absolute sitter uh, in the at one all, nice but, goal. Very nice goal. And as Klopp is saying, he's made massive steps. Uh, he's always available. It's super important for us now that we have a ball player to chip the ball, get it on the chest and play from there. That's how we scored the third goal at Wolves. The defensive work he puts in is probably the main difference. He always wanted to do it, but it was less coordinated now. It looks so much better. So it's like he's saying that Nunes has sort of figured out how to move better in relation to his teammates, but also the fact that he's like a target man out ball is like something Klopp is obviously thinking is going to be pretty important. Um to his team, which maybe is what uh, Arteta is thinking about if it's uh, Ivan Tony in January. Got an email in from Daniel Walsh. Is the, have the FAI landed on a gold mine? I took my three-year-old to the game on Saturday. This is the Ireland, the Republic of Ireland versus Northern Ireland first ever women's international at the Viva Stadium. He was oblivious to most of the proceedings but enjoyed the songs and the valiant but doomed efforts to get a Mexican wave going. There's also a jazz band beforehand at Lansdowne Road which proved a hit. I have a season ticket for the men's team. I'd venture that the vast majority of the 36,000 in attendance this time were not at the recent Dutch game. It was brilliant to see so many at Saturday's match and the noise that greeted anything Katie McCabe did was really something. I'm keen to hear Ken's take on whether there's a long-term market here for the FAI to tap into, says Daniel. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how many, how many of the games are going to be actually playing there. Um, but there was yeah there was thirty six thousand at the game which was a pretty good uh, crowd. Um, it was I mean the Katie McCabe thing he mentions is funny. It was like it reminded me of Ronaldo in in Qatar. Oh yeah, yeah like Ronaldo when Ronaldo would go and warm up or whatever in the whole stadium <laughs> and that corner would go mental mm. like uh, Katie McCabe taking a throw or whatever over by the corner flag and it just was this bedlam. But um, yeah, I mean it was good. Like Ireland played pretty well. I mean obviously it was it was like after the whole. Vera Pau um, stuff uh, and the Diane Caldwell in spite of her uh, comments which we talked about uh, it did create a certain element of okay you know let's see let's see what you've got like, pressure on the team and also like it, what's the difference going to be here like you know how different is this going to be from Vera Ball uh, are we going to see like a, a radical transformation shackles no, off not really I mean it was a, it was a similar type of structure there was there was a few differences. Well, we I mean, scored three goals, which we haven't been doing much of lately. We scored uh, we scored all three against goals. you know inferior opposition to what we've been playing. Uh, Northern Ireland were not as good as the teams Ireland played in the World Cup. That's true. You still have to score your goals, huh? Yeah, that's true. In front of you. I mean, in terms of the way they set up, it was Katie McCabe was still playing as a left wing back. Right. Maybe she's more of a wing back than a wing back in this. You know, but it was it was kind of. It's not like it was a different shape, really. Uh, Denise O'Sullivan is a bit further forward. The big difference, they, they played two strikers rather than kind of one up and one off, which was Carusa and uh, Lucy Quinn, who scored the first goal. Um, but the big difference was um, the new defender, Caitlin Hayes. So she was making her debut, um, has just sort of declared for Ireland or become eligible to play for Ireland. Was really good. Yeah. And like just really, uh, really kind of stable. Um, I mean, strong defensively, but really good passing out from the back, which just kind of helps to um, the team to sort of put moves together. You know what I mean? If a player can kind of get the ball and then look very assured and then play it through a couple of players 
to to someone much higher up the pitch. Um, it starts to make a difference, and uh, yeah, so I thought that she was she was great. Tyler Toland was back in the team, so this was the player that there'd been this huge uh, uh, argument between Vera Powell and her father, mm-hmm. where where there was all kinds of accusations uh, slung around where. He'd said that Tim Vera Powell had said, "Oh, your your ties have grown ten centimeters since you've gone to Man City. Yeah, what's going on?" You know, and that all happened. That was all. Er, that was all pre the athletic stuff. That and the the more re- that this was a, a bit of a controversy dating back to earlier on in the Vera Powell yeah. tenure. But that would re- routinely re- or occasionally raise its head again as it went on. Well, Although that, I think people stopped asking about Toland after. No, they did because she, she was out. I mean, it did. It, it came back up the other thing, but it had been reported about going back. I think to twenty twenty one. These these issues and her father had made so. So she started the game and play, I think came off just late in the game, but played most of it. And was she? I think she may have been named player of the match. Uh, so she that was, was yeah, that's yeah. obviously a difference. Uh, the fact that that Hayes came into the team meant that Megan Connolly could now play in midfield. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd say they they actually. I mean, again, you can't really. It's it's hard to measure a home game against Northern Ireland with like you know World Cup matches, but they did, they did. I suppose look a little bit better. It certainly wasn't the case of oh now Vera's gone, everything's falling apart. You know, if anything, it seemed to go in the. Other I think also the point that being made by our emailer here, Daniel, is just that there was a good crowd to come out to see them as well. It's thirty thirty six thousand at the Aviva is promising. Yeah, well, like I, I mean, the big the big thing is right. Why does any, why do, why does anyone like football really? Like I think the real real reason for it is that you play it as a kid and it's and you realize that it's fun. Yeah. Right? That's the main reason. Mm. And that's why and like most people then they become too old and fat to play football, but they still like watching it because they've got an idea of what's going on and you know, find it interesting to watch people who are really good at this thing. You know, yeah. That's the thing, right? Now the difference between now and when I was like a kid or the age of a lot of the fans who were at that game is that girls didn't really play football that much. Mm. Right? I mean there was it was it was pretty rare. And I think that sort of is what, that's the main reason why in my generation, um, people, like it's, it's far more men who are interested in football than women. And if you look at the fans of that game and you see, like you walk around, like you see girls playing football all the time now. There's like teams, you know, you see it everywhere. Um, you see this kind of mass interest among kids in the sport, in playing the sport. And that is definitely, there's no doubt that that translates into future like I mean, you're talking about fifty percent of the population who didn't really care much about this stuff, or were kind of almost like, and oh, we're weren't not. weren't made welcome in the sport either. Yeah, it's also success of the team. Uh, like getting to a World Cup, I know it didn't work out, and but I, but the fact that they were there, I think, makes a big difference as well. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it does. But I but I think the participation. I mean, it makes a big difference certainly to the participation. But I think the participation is ultimately the biggest thing. Like in time. That makes a difference because once you once you play it, you sort of realize, oh, this is actually interesting. You know, yeah. this isn't just like a kind of a stupid thing. Why would anyone care about this? You're kind of like, once you've played it, then you kind of, you don't even have to play it well. <laughs> it's just like yeah, many of us don't. It, that's how you kind of get into it. So, uh, so I think that's what makes the difference in, in the end. So yeah, I mean, if you're talking about a market, I mean, if we want to bring it back to the banal question of markets, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, in terms of that, that's obviously the area. Where there is the can most we be for co- can we be commodified? Daniel Walsh wants to know. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. A whole, a the whole FAI will again. indeed take our money. New markets are waiting uh, to be conquered. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What I thought was a seat was in fact a bunk, top bunk, coffin shaped. I was like, I do hope they turn the air conditioning on in this train and I'm sweating quite profusely. There was a sort of an old Russian woman in the bunk underneath mine, kind of grabbing at me like to get out of the bed. No, yet, 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 yet. She went to sort of the little service area of the carriage and came back with like a little packet of sheets. Fresh and clean. Yeah. And, oh. So good next to the skin, you So good next to the skin, and I said, oh, spasibo, spasibo, babushka. I tried to take the sheets. She's like, no, no, I have none of it. Started putting the sheets on the bed for me. I was like trying to help. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was just lying on that sort of sticky, musty mattress thing. But it turns out that they give you like a whole pack of sheets that you can spread out. Fresh and clean. Yeah. And, oh. So good next to the skin, and Left almost all the way to Moscow. So good next to the skin, Alan. What a nice way to pass six hours in train that was. Last week on the World Service, Ken glumly informed us that he no longer owns a suit because he never gets invited to weddings anymore. <laughs> Since that information came to light, our World Service members have stepped up big style. Wedding bells are ringing in the chapel. I literally can't remember the last time I was invited to a wedding. Alone at home, I hang my head in sorrow. I have to go to another fucking wedding. Those wedding bells will never ring for me. Get married in a drink. The invites continue to pour in, Ken. They really, <laughs> truly do. Peter has a couple of spaces available for his nuptials in Malta next week. He says Murph can come along. Oh. Free drink all night and a good few football men will be in attendance. Ooh. Yeah. Malta. When, uh, Don't when, know if a high profile football man or just people in No, I'd say just football. men of football. Gary Neville's a Mal- Malta guy. Well, many other. Gary Neville and Dennis O'Brien are the two people that come to my mind when I think of Malta. Ken Doherty and John Higgins for me. But oh, I've you told, yeah, already you told that. that story relatively recently. <laughs> Niall and Carmen getting hitched in Split next May. Oh, that's that's a good location, Ooh, good time of year. Ken, no well. no suit required, and despite Croatia inventing the tie. You don't need one of those either. <laughs> Croatia well, never the time. Well, that's like a what, like what are we wearing? Smart. I mean, is, is can it, we wear does shorts? The, does the word Croat have some relation to Croat? Oh. <laughs> and Murph. 
<laughs> Niall has great news for you. Niall and Carmen say yeah. that you're invited as well. We've decided to host an open bar at our wedding. That's right. Unlimited pints of Ujusco awaits old Gallons Murphy. I know yeah. how much you appreciate a good drink and I want you to celebrate <laughs> ah, this special day nice. with us in style. <laughs> there you go. You have me bagged the rights there. Rob and Katie are getting married in three weeks' time in City Hall in Dublin. Well serviced by public transport with a Dublin yeah. bikes rack near. <laughs> Uh, me and Ken are just go, we're going to ride the same bus route straight to City Hall it's yeah. right there Ken Rob met Ken at a Mick McCarthy press conference in early 2020 just pre-COVID where he taught me a very important lesson of journalism if there are free sambos at an FAI event take them quick because they won't last long and they're usually kind of okay <laughs> 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 Kiefer's getting married in Tony Gall in December you need to RSVP by the 27th of October Keith emails Dear Ken would you do me the honour of accompanying me as my plus one oh this is a new this is oh, a new oh this is a new, oh, new wrinkle yeah, yeah. will you be my plus one to a wedding in the borough of Brooklyn in New York City on November 11th this year my wife can't make it and attempts to get our friend Michael Kelly world service subscriber to fly in as a replacement plus one have failed his excuses were vague at best but I'll forgive him <laughs> subtle drive by there the dress code is the dress code is funky fresh dress to impress ready to party in inverted oh, commas are they hard no to that one I can tell you that <laughs> but it wouldn't matter who was getting married if that was on an invite I would not be going to that some wedding. further information from Gabriel or Gabriel on his Mexican wedding which was a front runner last week you were quite interested in this this one was in March oh, yeah. 24 but you're yeah. wondering whereabouts like, is it somewhere accessible it, alas it is in a small colonial town San Miguel de Aland so okay. a bit of a schlep apparently right and Ben finally emails Mexico. hello Ken well then you'll love this Ken hello Ken and Murph and Owen and Brano if you'd like no well. Simon or Mark here <laughs> Type After hearing football, Mexico piqued your interest, I'd like to offer invitations to my wedding in Oaxaca, O-A-X-A-C-A, in April of 2024. It's a bit of a hike, even for our family in the States, but the food and culture can't be beat. I won't fly you out, but you're welcome to join our chartered tour up to Mont Alban, the ruins of an ancient Mesoamerican city, and all the enchiladas and mezcal you can shake a stick at. That sounds great. When, when was the first Mexican wedding? That was March 2024 And this one's April 2024 Oh we can combine Well bookends Yeah bookends The wonderful month together in in Mexico Six weeks of podcasting (laughs) from Mexico (laughs) (laughs) Any other World Service members there? Can we do a live show? I'm going to have to have a look at these uh, Yeah I'll I'll have a look I'll send them all on to you There are honestly I mean if there are (laughs) 30 I wouldn't be surprised And almost all of them in January So what's the story again? Will you ever go to an actual listener's wedding? Go and Wayne Rooney at, at someone's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh, we'll see. I have the to. one in City Hall. Come on, Ken. Should we go in? We could, we'd be in that in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> if it's an absolute disaster. <laughs> Ryder Cup during the week. You people are strange and weird. Our, We're leaving. We've got our big Paul Kimmich chat from the Olympia that Murph alluded to earlier on. The Republic of Ireland women play hungry. And almost certainly there'll be more wedding invites for Ken to sift through I'd imagine secondcaptains.com five euro a month plus VAT if you're not already a member thanks Murph thanks Ken thank Thank you you, thank you Ken thanks for listening don't forget all episodes ad free if you sign up and the Second Captains podcast is part of the ACAST ACAST Creator Creator Network Network. Captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Sports. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 